You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Learning to walk on water, as I share this morning from Matthew chapter 14, I want you to know that I know a lot about water because I've spent hours and hours either in it, under it, or uh, striking it. Um, so I understand water, its properties very thoroughly. And in the hours that I've spent in the water, I have never been able to walk on it. In fact, I've found only two ways that I can stay on top of the water and only for a very short time, and neither are considered to be as nonviolent as walking on water. Okay, the first one, and I learned this from personal experience, water skiing and being pulled behind uh, boats on inner tubes. We would play crack the whip with the inner tube to see if we could knock the guy off. Is that if you strike water at a low angle and a high velocity, you can skip across it like a stone and stay above it for about 100 feet. As a diver, uh, someone who spent a lot of hours practicing and learning new dives, I learned that if you fall from a great height and approach water at a high velocity, perfectly parallel to it, that water is as hard as stone, and when you strike it, you will stay on top of it just long enough for people to begin to hear you scream in pain as you sink to the bottom. Water is a cruel friend. It doesn't like you. Okay, If you approach it at any kind of speed, it's as hard as a rock. But if you approach it gently, it's like when you play the trust game and you stand like this, stiff as a board, and they tell you to fall back and your friend is supposed to catch you, and they step aside and they point and laugh. Let you hit the floor. Because when water, when you approach water gently, you go right through it. And I've tried to run into water. I can't stay on top of it, running it. I cannot achieve that velocity. And with my accumulated scars and exhaustive research, I have come to this conclusion that it is humanly impossible to walk on water without some outside influence. For me, it would have to be hundreds of helium balloons tied under my arms or divine intervention. But you know, when we read Scripture in Matthew chapter 14, we find two people walking on water on the very same day. Let's go to our Bibles. You want to open your, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says this, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, and after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to, to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. 
So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. This miracle was performed to prove to the disciples that Jesus truly was God. And it was to increase their faith. God wanted to increase the disciples' faith, so he had them see Jesus walking like this. And it, what it does is it shows that he is the master of creation. He is able to multiply elements, defeat people. He is able to change the laws of nature so that people can walk on water. So as we look at this passage, there's some lessons that we can learn. And one of those lessons is, and, and that we need to not lose sight of this, is that God can do amazing things through us in him. But on top of that, we need to understand that this miracle had nothing to do with Peter. This was all to glorify God. So even though Peter was the one who got out of the boat and Peter was the one who was walking, Jesus was the one who did the miracle. Peter just got to experience it. He was no different than any of the other disciples. This did not make him higher than any of the other disciples. It doesn't make him more special than the other disciples. It just means that he had an experience that the other disciples didn't get to have. When we trust and obey, Jesus will amaze. And that's my bumper sticker for today. You know, I like to have a bumper sticker. When we trust and obey, Jesus will amaze. Notice the emphasis on Jesus will amaze. So I want to put the passage, this passage in context. This is a, a, a coming in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew was written to the Jews. And, and the reason that we know that is that he's constantly saying, and this was to fulfill Scripture. Because the Romans didn't care about the law and the prophets, but the Jews did. So he's constantly writing this. This is occurring immediately after Jesus has fed 5,000. So Jesus has fed the 5,000. He wants to go up on the mountain to pray. Um, and the reason that he was even in that situation was John the Baptist had just been beheaded and Jesus had gone to a deserted place and he wanted to mourn John. But all these people showed up and Jesus said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to not take care of my needs right now, I'm going to take care of these people's needs because of his great compassion. So they're at the shore, they've just fed the 5,000 and so we see God displayed, uh, Old Testament-style God, Jehovah Jireh. Um, that's a, a name for God that says God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. We see Jesus providing for people 5,000, uh, just like God provided manna in the desert for, those, uh, for the Israelites for 40 years. These two miracles occur almost simultaneously. You've got one miracle during the day, during the night Jesus walks on water. Two miracles side by side demonstrating that God is the God of creation, that he can change things. He multiplies the fish in the loaves, he walks on water. God of creation, adding extra emphasis and showing to the disciples that Jesus was truly God, that he was worthy of being obeyed. He was worthy of their worship. Now, as we begin in the passage, the first 
part, it says immediately after this, so after he had finished feeding him, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and go across the water. And the reason he says get back into the boat is because they had taken a boat from where they were to get to this place, so now they've got to take the boat back. So Jesus says get back in the boat, head back across the lake. And then he sent the people home, and after sending them home, he went up on the hills by himself to pray. And he was going back up on the hills to pray. And I'm guessing that, one, he was exhausted. Two, he wanted to um, mourn uh, John. So his disciples depart. They get in the boat. They start rowing away, get out in the ocean. It's about 7 o'clock. You figure dusk when Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. It's 3 in the morning when Jesus is seen by the disciples walking on water. So that means there's eight hours that the disciples have been rowing the boat. This trip was supposed to take three to four hours for them to get across the lake. So um, that's a lot of time to be struggling against the wind and the waves. And that's going to take us to our first point. So my first point is this. We must trust and obey when Jesus says stay. Because the disciples had been rowing against strong winds, but Jesus told them, he insisted that they get into the boat. They were where they were supposed to be, and they were supposed to be struggling against the wind and the waves. And so they're in the boat, they're struggling against the wind and the waves, and, and um, the disciples have, there's four of them that are experienced sailors. So you've got James, Sean, Andrew, Peter. Um, that These guys are experienced sailors. They are fishermen. They know the but they know how to row a boat, and they're struggling. And I'm guessing since they haven't had the Holy Spirit yet, eight hours into this trip, they might be using sailor language, okay? Um, these, these are guys who are frustrated now. They're tired. They've been rowing. They might even be a little bit uh, frightened because the waves are starting to get uh, big. But amazingly, they have not given up, Okay? So they're still doing what Jesus told them to do, take the boat to the other side. Now, if it's me, eight hours in, I'm going downwind, okay? I'm going back. Uh, they did not. They continued to head out where they were supposed to be. They didn't turn the boat around. They didn't take the easy way out. They continued to obey. Rowing into the wind was difficult. It seemed to the disciples probably that they were getting nowhere. But Jesus told them to do this, and they were obeying. And they were trying to get to the other side of the lake by boat, which was their mission. That's what Jesus had told them to do. They didn't fully understand it. It's not like they had a tea time at 7 in the morning that they had to make because they were golfers. They're not. Um, they were trying to get there. The wind and the waves were the roadblocks that were, and the impediments that they were trying to overcome. And it was hard, but they kept keeping putting the oars back in the water. Pull, lift them out, push them forward, pull, lift them out, push them forward. Every once in a while, I can imagine, since the waves were getting big, water was splashing over the bow and they were getting soaked. So they're cold and windy and wet and tired and frustrated. You know, that happens in our lives too. When I think about this in your own life. Jesus asked us to be someplace. He's put us some specific place, and we know we're not supposed to leave. But it's hard. It's frustrating. I'm tired. I'm stressed. It may seem like you're not making any headway, but we need to keep taking our oars, lifting them out of the water, putting them back in, and making that pull. Keep lifting them out of the water, putting them back in the water, make that pull. 
Don't quit. Trust and obey. You know why we should trust and obey? Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's walking on the water. He's walking towards our situation. And, and he's coming for us. He put us there. And the reason that he put us in this difficult situation is so that he can increase our faith. The disciples have seen the miracle of the feeding, but they've never seen anybody walk on water. They're going to get to see that because they were obeying. If they had gone back, they would have just seen Jesus on the shore. Peter would have never had the opportunity to walk on water. Their faith would not have been increased. The disciples were toiling away at their mission, but Jesus is coming for them. He's walking on the water straight towards them. The wind and the waves are nothing to him. When we are where God wants us and things are difficult, know this, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming for us. He's not forgotten us. He's not forsaken us. What we need to do is lift our heads up, keep pulling at the oars, and watch and wait for Jesus to show up in our situation. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't take the easy out. When he shows up, your faith will be strengthened. You will find that you have a new blessing, a new strength that would not have happened if you had given up, if you had quit. Now, the, back in our narrative, the, the disciples are rowing, steady pace, straining at the oars, and they see someone or something coming across the water towards them. And the disciples did not immediately recognize Jesus, and they were afraid. And, and Matthew's in the boat too, okay? So Matthew's writing the story, and he says this, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Point number two, we must trust and not fear because Jesus is here, okay? I can imagine the rowing, okay, so they were doing this, you know, stroke, stroke. It's a ghost! Stroke, 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 uh, You know, kind of like the cartoon for the feet are moving, but they're not going anywhere. Uh, they're probably a little bit frantic. Fear does funny things to us, and some of them are not good, okay? So it says they were terrified, and they cried out, it's a ghost. Now, I, to be fair to the disciples, okay, Nobody's ever walked on water before. So who would expect a human Jesus walking on water? Not me. I mean, if I'm in a boat, no, nope, it's not. It's got to be something else. There ain't no boat out there. If it was a boat, I could recognize a boat. So um, they didn't recognize Jesus until they heard him speak. So the disciples were stressed from all the work. Now they were distressed, okay? We've gone from that. Have you gone from stress to distress, okay? Uh, panic mode had set in. And they started playing the what-if game. The what-if game is a dangerous game, and it takes us to paths and places that we don't want to be. It's a tool that Satan uses, and he uses it to paralyze us, and he uses it to help us start believing things that are not true and sometimes causes us to do things that we don't want to do. But Jesus said immediately to them, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Now, I know this what-if game because I've played it. 
okay? And I'm guessing that every single one of you has played the what-if game, too. And it happens when we're faced with uncertainty. Here's the what-if game. What if it's cancer? What if I can't pay my bills this month? What if I lose my job? What if I make a mistake? What if I'm scheduled to preach and nobody shows up? It's a what-if game. There are many ways to beat the fear, beat fear and what-ifs, but they all lead to trusting that Jesus loves us, that he is with us. He's with us right here all the time, and he will help us complete our mission. Whatever he has asked us to do, he will help us complete that mission. If you're struggling with this what if, I don't have um, time to cover everything on that, but there's a great book out there by a pastor named Stephen Furtick. It's called Crash the Chatterbox. Um, Very good book, and he deals a lot with how to deal with the what if and the different approaches you can do to beat the the chatterbox that goes off in our head because we all have it, and it will never go away. You will always have this chatterbox trying to convince you that uh, something is wrong. Uh, So uh, I encourage you strongly to read this book. I've read it, and I found it very uh, helpful. But the question I would ask, is it enough for you today to not fear, just knowing that Jesus is here, that he is with you, that he loves you, and that no matter what, he's going to have that be your best? So even if Jesus chooses to take me from this world, that it's time for me to die, I can know that Jesus loves me, and that's what he thinks is best for me at that particular time. Craig Greshel, uh, the senior pastor at Life Church, says this, what I fear the most is where I am trusting least. Now think about this. What I fear the most is where I am trusting least. When fear starts to creep in, We need to turn to Jesus and ask him to help us see him. That we would recognize him in the situation we're in, that we would cry out to him, and that he would show himself to us in these moments. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 11, Jesus says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And through everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if you ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, give, Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is here right now. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live in a courage that comes from him. Take courage. He wants us to know that he cares for us. And we can reach out to him even right now. And, and what I want to do is I want to pause. I know that every single one of us has a fear that we fight. And I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. But I want you to take your fear, and in your mind, I want you to give that fear to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to help me trust you in this area. Some have uh, talked about this passage about how there's, the guys in the boat were comfortable, and I'm not sure that that's true. 
uh, the, the, the seas are rough. They've been working for eight hours to try to get the boat across the thing. And as they're doing this, they've seen Jesus, and Jesus has responded, as I don't be afraid. Peter wants a little extra insurance. And so he, being the impulsive guy that Peter is, he cries out and says, if it's really you, command me to come out and walk on the water too. That brings me to my next point. When Jesus says, come, get out and be stunned. Okay? When Jesus says, come, get out and be stunned. You're going to find out just how amazing that God is when he calls you to do something and, and you're actually able to do it. But I want you to think about this a little. The waves are large. The wind is strong. If I'm a deceiver, and I'm calling back to Peter say, hey, get out of the boat. <laughs> Guess what's happened to Peter? He's dead. Right? He's going to drown. So we need to know who's calling us out of the boat before we get out. If we're not sure, we need to test that. Okay. Peter knew Jesus' voice very well. So that gave him confidence to step out. And Jesus wasn't talking to anybody other than Peter. When you look at the Greek language, it's very specific. You come in the singular, not you in the plural. The others were supposed to stay in the boat. Peter was not. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. How amazing. Now, here's, here's my warning bells, right? We need to know who's calling out of the boat. We need to know Jesus so well that our, the deceiver, our enemy, can't put us in a place where we're going to be destroyed. If we feel God is calling us to do something, test it against Scripture. Ask yourself, is this something that Scripture would say, yes, that's the right thing to do? Is this something that's going to bring glory to God? It's probably safe to do it. If not, get some counsel. Don't jump out of the boat on impulse. If it's not Jesus, stay in the boat. You're supposed to still be in the boat. But if God is calling, don't hesitate. Don't miss the opportunity to see what God can do through us. If we want to walk on water, there's only one way to do it, and that's with Jesus. You will never be able to walk on water again. Only with Jesus. There's no other way. But we have to trust and obey, and we have to do it immediately when God tells us to do something. There's no arguing with God. It didn't work for Moses, right? And, you know, I don't speak so well. I don't care. I gave you the voice anyway. So I'm, I'm the one who made your lips. You can, you can talk. And finally, it gives him Aaron. You will not win in an argument with God. Get out of the boat and go. Now, for me, I, I've often wondered... What does it feel like to walk on water? I mean, was it slippery? Was it kind of spongy, like a peat bog? Did it feel wet? Did it feel firm? You know what? I wonder if the guys in the boat were curious. Or maybe they were envious. And, and when Peter gets back in the boat, after he gets over the embarrassment of his slip and fall, um, maybe there's some fist bumps going on. You know, hey, great job, Peter. Wow, that was fantastic. Wow, tell me about it. Um, we don't know. But what I do know is that if I trust and obey God, when he calls me to do something, 
I'll be able to do it. And you know what's going to be amazing? It's going to be something that I could not have done on my own, that I only could have done with Jesus, and his name is going to be glorified. So what can God do with people like that? Tom Orm. This comes right from the Vision for Chile. We support this ministry. Becky and I have been to the House of Hope. Tom Orm and his wife went on vacation in Chile. Tom was a, uh, an insurance uh, executive to visit friends because he was burning out in his job. And while he was there, one of his friends was taking him to different sites in the city in, in Santiago. And one of the places they stopped was an orphanage that housed girls ages 3 to 17. As Tom walked the grounds while waiting on David, he noticed that while other, the other properties had well-made fences surrounding them, the orphanage fence was in disrepair. In fact, you could drive a car right through one hole in the wall. When he met the orphanage administrator, Tom inquired about the hole. To his horror, he learned that they hadn't enough money to repair it, and just the night before, a man had entered and raped a four-year-old girl. When Tom returned to the States, he found himself unable to shake from his mind the images of the orphanage. Not knowing the first thing about construction, he contacted a number of people who would be able to fix it, but since they had not seen what he had seen, he was unable to motivate them to take the trip to Chile. Finally, Tom realized that God was speaking to his heart about organizing a trip to Chile to repair the wall. As he prayed and spoke to a variety of Christian friends, God provided the workers finances, time, and for a work trip to the orphanage, and they named the ministry Vision for Chile and, and went to work. And now it's called Vision for Children. So this happened. A guy who knows nothing about construction, I'm going to call it a walking on water moment, started a ministry that is affecting hundreds of lives and amazing hundreds and maybe thousands of others as they see what God can do through one ordinary guy answering the call and getting out of the boat. Peter walks on the water, but when his trust in Jesus falters, he sees the winds and the waves and he begins to sink. No, this will happen to you too. We will begin to lose faith at times and our trust will falter and we'll begin to look at our circumstances rather than focus on our call. When that happens, we need to do what Peter did. We need to call out to Jesus He's right there waiting for us. Jesus didn't have to run to help him. It says that he immediately reached out and grabbed him and pulled him out of the water. Jesus is right there waiting for us when we falter. And they climbed back into the boat, and the wind stopped. So the disciples have seen Jesus feed 5,000. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him have Peter walk on water. They've seen the wind stop as soon as he gets in the boat. And they are amazed. And they fall down and worship him. They got the message. Jesus is the God of all creation. He deserves our worship too. They also saw that Jesus can do anything with us if he wants to. Including walk on water. And I'm going to keep trying. If we trust and obey, Jesus will amaze. And when he does those amazing things through us, we need to fall down and worship him because it's not about us. It's about him. And he is Lord of all, the one and only true God. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who has never abandoned and never left us, that you are always here, that we don't have to fear, 
And Lord, you are waiting to do amazing things through us. Help us to get past our fears, hear your call, and do it. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.